let us take a moment to pray before we think about God's Word. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be true and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. What did you feel when you woke up on Wednesday morning and saw that the US election was still rumbling on and hadn't been decided? What did you feel when it seemed a legal battle might ensue? What have you been feeling as the events of this year have developed, improved a little, worsened significantly and continue to change and roll on? What did you feel when you heard of terrorism in France, racism in America or conflicts around the world? I wonder, in the face of any and all of these events, did you feel any hope? Has your level of hope begun to wane as 2020 plays itself out, particularly if you faced a difficult year personally. Ancient Israel was no stranger to difficulty and was only too familiar with losing people in war as they suffered from invasion and defeat time and time again. I wonder, what did they feel? What was their level of hope? We may be two and a half thousand years on from Isaiah's time, but we still live in a world full of oppression, arrogance, hatred, conflict, death, and mourning. So the message from Isaiah is just as relevant and powerful for us as it was in his day. Isaiah came with good news for the Lord's people, good news that God has a plan. He said, Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name. For in perfect faithfulness you have done wonderful things, things planned long ago. God has a plan. A plan for wonderful things, deeds beyond mere human ability. And this echoes that promise made in chapter 9 of a king who would be wonderful counselor and mighty God. Yet this plan will not simply be for ancient Israel, because from a heart of overflowing love and grace, God says through Isaiah that on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all people. All peoples. Everyone is invited to the feast. Everyone is invited to share in the good and abundant provision of God. So what will this include? Isaiah goes on. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that involves all people, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The Lord, Sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. God's plan 
the plan he invites everyone to share in is a promise to utterly destroy death itself. God holds out hope to all the nations so that they can share in that day when it comes, when he will pass from one individual to the next and wipe away each tear. It is a grand plan and a grand promise, but not a wishful politician's promise. It is a promise guaranteed and verified as truly available to each of us because that promised king came. It was Jesus. And Jesus truly rose from the dead, confirming his claim I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Friends, we have such a hope offered to us by God himself. But how do we share in that hope? How do we take up the invitation of God? Isaiah says, Surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Those who trust and continue to trust in the Lord will share in this promise, will share in this hope. Yet on the other hand, if we, like Moab in the later verses, that country which bordered ancient Israel, if we are like them and keep, and with pride keep our distance, then we will not share that hope and not share that promise. For it's not enough to belong to a group who stand on the threshold of God's kingdom, or to have known some who crossed over into it. So it's not enough to watch the service today, or simply come to church, or, or have your name down as a member. It's not enough. You could do all that, and more besides, and still be on the threshold. You could still be holding back and not trusting the Lord, not trusting his promise and plan. Friends, is your trust in the Lord? Is your trust in his promise? If your hope is low, if it's beginning to wane, then renew your trust in the Lord. Come to him afresh. Confess where you've maybe put your hope in other things and talk with him about how you want to put your trust in him and his promise alone. Isaiah came with good news. Good news that would have inspired hope. But might it also have inspired some bewilderment? For Isaiah also said, Strong peoples will honour the Lord. Cities of ruthless nations will revere him. 
Isaiah is saying that the very people who have invaded and defeated Israel, these same people are invited to the feast, to this glorious hope. Can you imagine what the, the people might have felt? Is it any wonder they might have felt bewilderment? How could God do such a thing? How could he forgive? How is it enough that they simply repented? Where is Justice. Isaiah will respond to such questions, but not for many chapters. So let us instead turn to the New Testament, where we read, God offered Jesus so that by his blood he should become the means by which people's sins are forgiven through their faith, their trust in him. God did this in order to demonstrate that he is righteous. In the past, he was patient and overlooked people's sins. But in the present time, he deals with their sins in order to demonstrate his righteousness. In this way, God shows that he himself is righteous and that he puts right Everyone who believes in Jesus. God doesn't overlook sin. Not yours, not mine. Nor the tyrant or the oppressor. Everyone will be judged. There will be justice. But anyone who puts their trust in the death of Jesus will be forgiven. And they will be invited to the banquet where together they can rejoice in the love and grace of God and there will be unity. Now, you may wonder if this is possible. You may wonder if this is just fanciful nonsense. So let me play you an old recording wherein Corrie Ten Boom, a Dutch Christian, who was captured and sent to a concentration camp by the Nazis, shares a little of her story. It was some time ago that I was in Berlin, and there came a man to me and said, Ah, Mr. Bohm, I am glad to see you. Don't you know me? Suddenly I saw that man that was one of the most cruel aufseers in concentration camp. And that man said, I have, I'm now a Christian, I have found the Lord Jesus. I read my Bible and I know that there is forgiveness for all the sins of the whole world, also for my sins. I have forgiveness for the cruelties I have done. But then I have asked God grace for an opportunity that I could ask one of my very victims forgiveness. And Fräulein Tambom, will you forgive me? And I could not. I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him. But when I saw, when I experienced that I could not forgive, Suddenly I knew, 
I myself have no forgiveness. But I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then I took one of these beautiful texts, one of these boundless resources, Romans 5.5. 5. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can. In Jesus Christ, we have hope that God has a plan, including to conquer death itself, and in the same Jesus Christ, we see that there will be justice, but there is also mercy if we will but trust in him. Friends, I pray that you will know the scandalous forgiveness and grace of God such that you have hope for the storms of life and love for the least, the last and the lost, no matter who they may be or what they may have done. May it be so. Amen. <laughs>